Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Karlsson, 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 Fantasy Hockey Podcast in the world, hosted by two people who are Cupful Tier 1 Ultimate Champions, past and present. I am your host, Yola Dubrowski, and with me, as always, to break down all of the news and notes leading into what could be, well, I guess what will be either the final matchup or the matchup after the final matchup for most of the people playing fantasy hockey. It's your good friend and mine, the neighborhood fantasy hockey robot himself, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody. And I'm surprised you're actually not locking me into being contractually obligated to say hello, Kakupful Ultimate Champion. But you already went ahead and crowned yourself before I even could. I'm not surprised you jumped the uh, You didn't jump the gun. You deserve it. You worked so hard, Elon. Congratulations to you for being uh, the newest Kakupful Ultimate Champion. Uh, I, this is a big mountain you've climbed, and uh, now you can join me. In the Hall of Champions. It'll be really fun. And you'll try and prevent anyone else new from joining us next time. But we also have, like, how many other couple champions about to be crowned tonight? We've got a couple in the chat right now. John, uh, champ in Tier 7. Mathieu, champ in Tier 4. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to have the whole list probably only by next show once every all the dust settles. But congratulations to everybody who won their couple divisions this year and your hard-fought seasons, kkupfl.com for an out-of-date website. Tells you all you need to know about the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Page and Fantasy League, which Elon is now a champion of. Elon, I hope... Like, you probably just want to get to the get to the content No, we can business, talk about me. I, yeah, well, I wanted to do, to do you justice. This has been like a life goal of yours for several years. Yeah, it's a bucket list item for sure. My division was insane. It was a who's who of fantasy hockey, uh, including my finals opponent, Mark, who everyone heard on last week's show. Mark's team was amazing, won the President's Trophy. Uh, I got lucky this week that Mark's one of Mark's uh, best players during the regular season, Connor Hellebuck, totally fell apart for him. And I wasn't complaining. And now here we are. Uh, I'm the champ. And yeah, this week, by the way, my moves, Brian, I've never had such a good week. Like my team was already good. Then, like we were talking before the show, I added Anton Forsberg on Tuesday for three gems. I thought for a second, should I not play him against the Leafs? Even against the Leafs, he let in five goals when he made so many saves. That was even fine. Then I added Binnington on Thursday when I saw that he was getting the start over Huso. I had Huso. I dropped Huso for Binnington since I was already going to have two goalies on Saturday. Figured might as well get the Binnington starts on Thursday, Sunday. Both gems right now. St. Louis is actually the game's not even over, but they're winning eight to two against Nashville. And like Nashville's not a bad team, but somehow St. Louis is turning into the Florida Panthers here. A really scary team down the stretch. We'll talk about them obviously later in the show. And then today I had a couple ads left over. Grabbed Spencer Knight for a gem over the Red Wings and Freddie Goudreau, who's got an assist in four shots. Brian, I mean, come on. If people uh, were already not thinking that this is a good podcast to listen to because it's hosted by people who know what they're doing this week. Got to say it all, right? I'm sorry, I'm basking too much. Let we can move on now, but uh, I'm I'm feeling really good. I gotta say, uh, fantasy hockey could be a lot of fun when it works out. Yeah, and very crushing to when it doesn't. So, uh, so also, 
you know, sending all our sympathies and condolences to anybody who uh, who fell out after who a was hard left in my game. wake. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, specifically in Elon's wake, uh, but generally. Everyone who deserved to win but didn't will have to do our best excuses for losing episode at some point this offseason where you, the listener, will tell us the, re- the the ridiculous reason, the only reason you lost was because dot dot dot, and then we'll rank uh, how much you actually deserve to win or lose. Uh, that'll be a fun episode, but we, we still have. Maybe we can do that next week. We'll talk after uh, we'll- the show. We're definitely going to do it sometime in the in the near future. So keep an eye on our Twitter feed at Keeping Carlson when we'll do a call out for those. Anyone who's lost already will also tribute you at the end of the show and won already. Same deal. But Elon, some people are still we're talking about champions and losers. But some people are in leagues where that is yet to be determined. We've got a couple weeks left of NHL action and fantasy hockey play, even though the couple ended this week. It's believe it or not, it's not the only league in the world. So why don't we get to how people can focus and lock in and win their leagues with the games that are remaining in the rest of the season? Sounds like a good plan. Unfortunately, like in the excitement of my winning, I just deleted the show doc. I was like, I don't need this anymore. And I got rid of everything. So I'm going to, no, I'm just kidding. I ha- I've got a list of players that I think are going to be interesting for these last two weeks of action. Obviously, people who are still playing your leagues, the reason why we stopped our league after this week is because things might get a little wonky with teams, you know, resting players once they've clinched. So there's a lot of strategy that goes into playing these last couple of weeks, but they are NHL games and it definitely makes sense that to want to play through them. I always every year wonder if we should have the couple go to the end or not i feel like there's pros and cons but anyways yeah we've got a list of players and i think we're going to try our best to give you some tips to use because there's also like some big injuries and outreach that you're gonna have to work your way around uh, of course before we get to everything i'll just mention super quick that keeping carlson very proudly presented by the ultimate champ of fantasy hockey websites dauberhockey.com it's the best everyone knows it i wouldn't have won it if dauber hockey didn't exist or maybe i would have because also my opponents wouldn't have had had access to it but if you're playing in a league where everyone is using it and you're not you're not doing it right they've got great articles keeping up to speed with everything frozen tools the best tools website out there it's all there dauberhockey.com but okay brian let's get into it let's talk about some of these injuries and then some outjuries. Let's start with some goalie injuries that are really going to mess things up for some people. Tristan Jari is injured right now for the Penguins. He's week to week with a lower body injury. And that's going into, like, it's bad for the Penguins because they were obviously expecting to ride him going into their playoffs. And obviously bad for anyone who has him in fantasy because who knows if he'll be back even in time for game one for the Penguins. Uh, in the meantime, of course, Casey DeSmith takes over. He got in the net for the game yesterday against Boston and he did okay right Boston won two to one he led in two early goals and settled down stopped uh 27 of 29 in the loss so I mean DeSmith has been decent this season right 907 save percentage not like world beating but not terrible there's a lot of worse backups out there Pittsburgh's a pretty good team so I got to imagine I mean we're gonna run through a few of these goalies that you might be interested in adding now that the starter has been injured but got to imagine DeSmith is appealing if you need to uh win over these next couple of weeks right DeSmith is definitely pretty appealing, although he's not so reliable, which is, you know, something people were saying about Tristan Jarry coming out of, remember last year in the playoffs, he was the scapegoat, the total scapegoat, and actually pretty deservedly he had a really awful, catastrophic playoffs to the point that Pittsburgh was ready, at least the fans were, to say goodbye to Tristan Jarry forever. And it was unfortunately a really awful way to end what had been a pretty good season for Tristan Jari. And he's bounced back this year in honestly a pretty big way. 
Uh, you look at his numbers, 919 save percentage. He started 56 games. That's right up there with some of the biggest workhorses in the league. 63% quality start percentage, which is really solid. And now he's gone. Yeah, his expected save percentage numbers, like he was playing um, actually just a little bit above them. Pittsburgh de- uh, defends their crease and net pretty well which hopefully bodes well for Casey DeSmith, who has not performed up to his expected save percentage this season. He's got a 9.07 this year in 20 starts compared to a 9.12 last season in 17 starts. We see a lot of inconsistency from him, but no inconsistency like this year, where Casey DeSmith is just a 45% quality starter to the point that early on in the season, through his first number, like through his first several appearances, Casey DeSmith was someone who was like, is this guy done in the NHL? Like, I remember the Penguins were trying to rest Jari and Casey DeSmith came in and I can't remember exactly what game it was and how many he let up, but he came in and just laid such an egg. And I was watching Penguins beat writers on Twitter wonder aloud, like, is this the end of Casey DeSmith's career? And that sort of was uh, was the story of his first couple months of the year through to January. DeSmith had started, had appeared in nine games and uh, put up an 886 save percentage. Since then, he's uh, he's righted the ship pretty well. 922 save percentage over DeSmith's last 13 appearances, and that goes back to basically the all-star break. So the second half, Casey DeSmith, like, it's almost, uh, it's not quite the Petter Mrazek story because he hasn't fully, Mrazek hasn't fully come in and redeemed himself after having his career on death's door. But Casey DeSmith has. He's looking pretty good. Um, he's actually only won five of 11 decisions, but four of those were overtime losses. So we can just chalk those up to bad luck or three on three or shootouts. You know, we can't really hang most of those on a goalie, but uh, I'm pretty impressed by what we've seen from Casey DeSmith lately. And if he's available in your leagues for the next couple of weeks, he's going to be the guy. Uh, Pittsburgh does not have anybody else ready. Do you know who it is, Brian? Do you know who they called up? (laughs) I was actually looking it up as I talked. He played Uh, a game earlier this season, and I think it went well. It's Louis Demang, our old friend. Ah, yeah. I was going to say Martin Skula, but I guess (laughs) it's been a while since he's been in the lineup. So Louis Demangue is in the picture. I wonder, I don't even remember how the Pens acquired him. Because remember, the Pens were rumored to be shopping for a goalie at the deadline. There was talk of Marc-Andre Fleury. And I wonder, obviously, you can't predict your your goalie getting injured. Uh, but the Penguins, honestly, it might be good. This gives Tristan Jari a, a bit of a, a forced break. This might be good for the Penguins as a hockey team, getting Jari some rest going into the playoffs. But it's not good for fantasy managers who have been relying on Jari all the way through. So if you have, go out and get to Smith. I don't think Demeng is an NHL goalie, so I don't think he poses much of a challenge. And I think the Pens know uh, that they're going to probably want to Smith ready to go for the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so he'll get a lot of time, and he's somebody who you're going to want on your team, especially because Pittsburgh is playing reasonably good defense and uh, supporting their goalies quite well. Yeah, so Pittsburgh next week plays Boston on Thursday, actually. So they don't play for a while. So, But at the same time, it's tricky because you don't want to wait and not get the goalie. So if you wanted to jump, you can get uh, Casey DeSmith now. But yeah, you are going to be sitting on him just to wait for a difficult game against Boston. Then on the weekend, definitely, if you get the chance, and he's still out there for Saturday, Sunday, they play Detroit and then Philadelphia. So those are two like easier games. And then also Pittsburgh, I'm just bringing it up here. The next week, they go only two times. So I don't know. <laughs> While it is a good spot to be in, you're not going to 
potentially get too many games. Because probably Demang plays one of those weekend games this week. So depending on your situation, even though it's like a, a tasty backup that's now going to get a starter's role, obviously you have to take that into account as well. For sure. So definitely like play your cards carefully because you might you want to get the right number of games and goaltending. I mean, we were actually talking on a Discord server. Before I go any further, by the way, I need to mention uh, I confused Martin Skula with Peter Skudra. So uh, Peter Skudra, the the legendary Penguins goalie, Elon's shaking his head like it doesn't matter. Uh, I got a lot of players to get to, Brian. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Where are we going with this? (laughs) Well, we were just talking on our Discord server about how many goalies who have gotten their managers this far and like their managers have leaned on these goalies to get them this far. Like Mark was leaning on Hellebuck all season long in your finals. And then he couldn't, he couldn't get a good performance out of him in the actual finals. About half the goalies who carried teams to the finals are breaking down right now. Uh, So honestly, it's your guess as good as anyone's about which goalie is going to succeed or perform. So I wouldn't necessarily grab Casey to Smith if you're losing games played because you might just be able to roll the dice with somebody else. But if you're looking for guaranteed starts while Jari's out, he's your guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I got very lucky in Kakuffle. Uh, there's a lot of luck that goes into it. It's fun to brag and be like, I'm so smart because I'm the Kakuffle Ultimate Champion. But obviously, I got lucky. And one of the things I got lucky with was in the auction draft. And you go, you could go back and listen to it. I bid on uh, some goalies and got outbid. I didn't. My plan wasn't to spend a lot of money on goalies, right? And I ended up getting Darcy Kemper for whatever it was, fifteen, sixteen dollars. I remember. I remember a specific moment in the auction draft episode where I was like chatting with you. Then all of a sudden, I was like, wait, I think I just got Kemper. Okay, cool. I guess he's my goalie. And then I he he actually stunk for a while at the start of the year. But yeah, he's been really great lately. And I just got lucky. Like, I obviously would have preferred Hellebuck in the draft. But it turned out that uh, Kemper was a lot more valuable than Hellebuck this past week. So what are you going to do with goalies? I think the advice that I gave on a previous show, and I also mentioned on the Discord, is I think if you have a goalie that's doing really, really well in fantasy and you're up to your trade deadline, I'm at the point now where I'd say trade that goalie for like a stud skater you know, for like a Jake Gensel or a Kyle Connor, like obviously depends like how good the goalie's doing. But even like if you have just Jorkin this year, it would have been probably better to just trade him for a stud skater because there's no guarantees of what's going to happen with your goalies. And you could probably find uh, Auntie Ranta, for example, in free agency. And now if you're going into your finals, all of a sudden he may be a starter as well because Frederick Anderson is going to get an MRI to determine the extent of a lower body injury that he suffered in Saturday's game against Colorado. So much like Casey DeSmith, we've got Auntie Ranta. And Auntie Ranta is someone who I think... Uh, is potentially better than DeSmith when he's healthy. He's been good pretty much his whole career. And this year hasn't really been an exception. He has a 913 save percentage in 24 games. Uh, it, you know, the performance against Colorado was just four saves right at the end of the game. But hey, that's a lot better. Than, you know, that was a brutal game for Frederick Anderson. He led in seven goals before he ended up getting uh, pulled for this injury. Uh, so, you know, Carolina is a pretty good team. Though lately, they haven't been scoring so many goals. They got shut out by Nijelkovic. They got, uh, oh, they beat the Rangers. Okay, so anyway. All that to say, and that was also Nijelkovic was having a really great game. It's not like Carolina didn't take any shots. But uh, I think that probably even more so than Casey DeSmith, I'd probably be into Auntie Ranta. If you look at Carolina's schedule, they play starting on Monday against Arizona. That's a gimme right there. Arizona is terrible, right? As soon as, as since Clayton Keller went down, that team has just fallen apart completely. So I assume that at the very least, Ronta is going to be playing on Monday against Arizona, and then we'll see what happens when they get the MRA results for the rest of the week. But yeah, jump on Auntie Ronta. I probably should have put him first before Casey DeSmith. Yeah, he's probably the more valuable player based on his track record and his schedule. And Ronta, we sang his praises a few weeks ago on the show saying that this has been a career year 
for Auntie Ranta. Like, if you look at, uh, like, look at what he's done over the course of his career in terms of playing above his expected save percentage, which he often does. Like, Auntie Ranta has been a really good goalie. I guess if you listened a few weeks ago, uh, this might sound very familiar, but he's just never stayed healthy long enough to lock it in. Like, he's had a, a... you know, in his career, he's played nine seasons. In all of those years, he's played at least 12 games. And aside from his very first year in the league, he's had a 919 or higher in like five of those eight seasons. So like, this is a really good goalie who's never stayed healthy long enough to play in a starter's role. And the one year he did play in a starter's role, which was uh, for Arizona about five years ago, 930 save percentage, 70% quality starts, which was the second year in a row that Ronta had posted a 70% quality start number. So this guy is reliable. He's outstanding. And he's finally staying healthy. Touch wood, everybody, somewhere, please, to show it. Uh, So in his own numbers, he's showing career highs. Uh, In the NHL, actually, if you look at all goalies and you sort them by how well they're playing relative to their expected save percentage at five on five, which is the measure I use to try and just determine goalie talent, Antti Ranta leads the league. Yes, he doesn't have as many minutes played as the guys below him, like Shostjorkin, Demko, Sorokin, Huso, Anderson, also like Freddie Anderson. So Caroline doing very well in net this year. It's uh, it's always bad when you lose a top 10 goalie, but it's great if you have the number one goalie in the league in this metric, hopefully ready to step in. So go ahead and grab Auntie Ranta. Of course, the danger with a Carolina goalie is the same as it ever was, which is that, you know, it just takes one or two goals on 20 to 25 shots to make a dent in a in their save percentage. But Ranta's been really solid this year. 60% quality starts, 913 save percentage, which makes him not look as good as I think he has been. But he is definitely somebody I would want over Casey DeSmith and basically uh, ahead of, I think, just about any goalie that's out there right now. I mean, for as long as Frederick Anderson is out, I'll take Ronta over Connor Hellebuck pretty easily. Winnipeg seems to be yeah. doing pretty terribly and he's not helping them. So yeah, he he jumps up the rankings, especially with that Monday game against Arizona. I'm like tripping over myself to add him in a league if I'm going into a finals next week. Uh, okay, so since we're on Carolina, I'll mention another injury, Jordan Stahl, which you may be like, why even bring up Jordan Stahl? He's so boring. Fine, he's injured, but it doesn't have fantasy relevance. Well, it does. He has six points in his last four games. He's been scoring. He had a hat trick against Anaheim. He had two goals in this game against Colorado. Uh, but yeah, it looks like he's hurt. The latest on NBC Sports Edge, he suffered an upper body injury when he was hit by- hard by Kale McCarr. What a goon. Makar, I didn't see the play, but uh, Jordan Stahl's day-to-day, so that's a bummer. I guess if you were riding that hot streak, it's, it's probably a shame that you're not going to be able to get that game against Arizona on Monday, because that would be pretty sweet. He, he's day-to-day, right? He might play, but uh, you'll sash him in IR. And two players that you probably won't be uh, rushing to grab, potentially, unless Brian tells you that you should, are two guys on a cold streak. Uh, Vincent Trocek, what happened to this guy all of a sudden? He's pointless in his last four games, and then fine, before that he had a goal against the Islanders, and then before that he was pointless in, in five games. So Vincent Trocek, who was having a pretty solid year up until this recent stretch, is all of a sudden like ice, ice cold. And, you know, you can't blame it only on deployment. He was still on the top power play in that last game. He was playing on a line with Tara Vinen and Max Domi. Remember that Max Domi went there? Carolina Hurricane Max Domi. Yeah. So, I mean, Trocek's deployment has been good, but he's totally disappeared. Uh, Then, like, for your deeper league, someone who I guess people probably should have already given up on, but I just can't believe how badly things have gone for him is Martin Nechas. 
Pass, who has now no points in his last 10 games. He's fallen to less than a half point per game pace. This is the guy who paced for 63 points last season. And Martin Natchez now is like a nothing. Like when I see him in free agency this year, I, I like, you know, over this past month, I've just like scrolled past. Like he's just like some nobody. Like Jordan Martinuk is like how I think of Martin Natchez. So uh, Trocek and Natchez really letting people down. Natchez probably was already dumped by anyone serious. Uh, but Trocek is probably someone that they need some maybe nudging from the fantasy hockey robot. Brian, can people let go of this guy at this point going into their finals? It's a good schedule next week, but he's doing nothing. Really disappointing that Natchez has fallen off this way. He's on a 40-point pace this season, down from that really exciting 63-point pace that you mentioned last year, Elon. One thing that's really been a bummer is like we were looking for this year for Natchez to get improved deployment and or at least hold steady and saying like, okay, look, he's he might not do any better, but he should be able to do the same thing. And he's actually losing minutes lately. Like he's averaging now, um, I don't know, like 15 minutes a game or so, uh, which is worse than last year, 17 minutes a game and worse than he was seeing earlier this season, which was 16 minutes a game. And Natchez and Trocek, they did well together last year. At least Natchez benefited from that arrangement. Um, but Lately, they're not playing with each other a whole ton. And I wonder if that might be something like, yeah, Natchez is playing with Marginuk and Jesperi Kotkaniemi, which is essentially the fourth line, except Carolina's kind of running three third lines <laughs> right now, if I'm just trying to gauge who's who. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of sunshine for what Natchez is doing. It'd be great if he could go on a run like Jordan Stahl did. Yeah, Natchez, I feel like you want him to be good, but I feel like, we, like I said, I think we've all given up on him. I think the real one that I'm just so curious to get your take on is is Trocek, right? Because he's someone that's like actually been useful for most of the season. And then just how does he just disappear like this? Yeah, well, his, his the good news is he's still hitting for anyone that helps. He's still taking face-offs and the shots are still there. Like, yeah, he only has one assist in his last 10 games. But I can tell you, he has like, you know, 16, 17 shots in that spin, which isn't great. Like we would like to see him actually, he's got, sorry, I'm just doing the math again, about 23 shots over his last 10 games, which isn't quite as many as we'd like to see from Trocek, but it's about what we can expect this year, a couple shots a game. Um, for for reference, Jordan Stahl scored eight times on his last 16 shots, which is why he's been as hot as he has been. So I maybe Trocek would benefit from going on this kind of run that Stahl has. But his power play time is healthy. His time on ice is relatively healthy. I think you just got to hang on and hope um, because he's not being buried the same way that Mar- Martin Nietzsche's seems to be. Uh, it just hasn't worked out. But I, I would so- I would hold on with this good schedule for Vincent Trocek, assuming that it is a step down to someone Nietzsche-like as a free agent replacement. Yeah, I agree with you. And for those of you in leagues where someone else gave up on Trocek, I'm going to say that he's probably a good at. Obviously, it's like easy for us to just recommend players on hot streaks. We're going to go through a whole bunch of players on hot streaks at the end of the show. But yeah, I think maybe you'll want, maybe Brian, as we go through them, we can compare them to Trocek if he's in free agency also. But sometimes you want to grab the player who's due and Trocek's in a good spot, like you're saying, still taking some shots. And I do like that Monday game, at least against Arizona, then Thursday against Hellebuck and the Jets, and then Saturday against the Devils, and then Sunday against the Islanders. That's already like three out of those four games are against really weak defensive teams. So that's a pretty good ad if you want to get Trocek or maybe even like a Nate. Well, I don't want to recommend Natchez, but you know, Carolina in general has a good schedule. Yeah. And Natchez is a good long shot. If you're just looking, you know, the same way that you'd add like Josh Bailey or Anthony Beauvillier for a good Islander schedule. Maybe actually Natchez isn't quite as good an option as they've been, but like same ballpark. 
Yeah, and I guess to on the other side of the coin to talk about a player on Carolina who's doing surprisingly well, and maybe at this point it's not as much of a surprise, but Brady Shea on yet another hot streak, right? Four points in his last four games after an assist against Colorado. So, uh, you know, I, we don't need to dig into him, but it, it, just if you want to keep up with who's hot in Carolina right now, that's not like an obvious person who's rostered everywhere. Uh, Brady Shea is a name that you can consider. But let's go to another goalie injury now. In Boston, Linus Allmark is hurt, and there was a point in the season where Allmark had sort of seated the net to Swayman, but recently Allmark had been getting the bulk of the starts and clearly, well no, it's probably unrelated, but like now he's hurt and if you recall last year on Buffalo, it took forever for Allmark to get healthy, like he rarely was, so I wonder if the trick was to keep him as like a backup or like, you know, one third like two fifths of the games, but yeah, now he has an upper body injury, he didn't play on Saturday against Pittsburgh, he's day to day, he took a shot to the helmet, so obviously this has nothing to do with being uh, uh, you know, injury prone or anything, but in the meantime, Jeremy Swayman then will likely get the bulk in all of the games. And he had a really good game against Pittsburgh. In that game we just talked about that Casey DeSmith played on the other side, it was Swayman. And he was awesome. He stopped 23 of 24. Before that, he had three really bad games in a row and had been really stinking. And I guess that's why Allmark was getting the starts. So now Swayman gets all the opportunity in the world until Allmark is better to right the ship. So if we look at Boston's schedule coming up over the next short term, they've got a really tough one, right? They got St. Louis, then Pittsburgh, then the Rangers for Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, then Montreal on Sunday, who maybe Allmark will be back by then. So I would be a little scared to grab Swayman, but at the same time, Boston's a good team. So it's probably a bit of a coin flip. If I'm ranking these guys, I've still got uh, Ranta first over Swayman if both are available. Yeah, I agree. I might go with Swayman over DeSmith, although the results lately have been flipped. I talked about how strong DeSmith has been lately. Swayman over his last 10, 892 save percentage. Now, Swayman has still been good enough this season that he still has a 917 on the season and a 66% quality start. So still a solid guy, and I'm curious to see what he'll do now that the torch is in his hand. But uh, he's not a slam dunk. So uh, I, I'm, I think I'd still for sure take Ranta first, then it could be a, a toss-up. Like, if you lose out on DeSmith, go get Swayman. If you lose out on Swayman, you can go get DeSmith. I feel like they're probably about equally appealing. Okay, and I'll just point this out. I don't want to freak anybody out because it's only been a couple games of this, but Charlie McAvoy looks like, according to Frozen Tools, he was on the second power play in that game on Saturday, and Matt Grizzlick was getting more power play time. McAvoy also is pointless in his last three games. He's taken a lot of shots, uh, but I definitely don't like seeing 39% of the power play share for that game for him. So we'll have to see if that becomes a normal thing or if you know that was just like an aberration. But anyway, what are you going to do? You're not going to drop, uh, you know, Charlie McAvoy at this point in the season. But maybe if this continues, you take a look at like a Grizzlick as a potential yeah. stream. Well, the, the game before against us, so you're talking about the game against Pittsburgh, the game before against Ottawa, Grizzlick also saw a higher percentage of the power play time. A lot of power plays for Boston, like McAvoy still saw four minutes, but Grizzlick saw five on the power play. So that is something to keep an eye on. And like you said, Elon, you're not going to drop McAvoy, but you could very well go and say, hey, I'm going to go add Matt Grishlik, who himself is cold, and he's not shooting or filling any categories as much as McAvoy is. So he's definitely uh, a distant second in my mind to McAvoy still. But if you've got a D spot to fill on a busy night coming up, you could probably do worse. Yeah. And then I guess one more injury I'll bring up. Uh, for now is on Vancouver. Rough break for them because Bo Horvat 
is going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. Then he'll be reassessed, which I guess means he's out for the season. I think like I, I, it doesn't say exactly that on NBC Sports Edge. I guess this was written a few days ago, but yeah, it's not looking like Horvat's going to be helping any of his fantasy managers for the rest of the season, which is a bummer. Of course, looking at the lines from Vancouver's last game, they were running Pedersen with Connor Garland and someone named Sheldon Dries. And then JT Miller was playing with Alex Chason and Vasily Podkolzin. I feel like Chason always gets on our podcast and like, he's hot. He's got nine points in his last five games. Like Alex Chason, I hate to do it because I know, Brian, you're so excited to swat away Alex Chason as soon as I bring him up. But clearly with Horvat out, he's got a more prominent role. He's playing with JT Miller and he's he's crushing it, right? He's been taking a ton of shots. He's got, like I said, nine points, like a lot of those goals, five goals in his last four games. He had two goals against the Coyotes. I don't know how much you want to count goals against the Coyotes recently, but he also scored two goals. Oh, actually, his previous two-goal game was also against the Coyotes <laughs> the previous week. And then he has a goal against San Jose, who's all- so, okay, we'll see how Shaysan yeah, does against Sh- stronger teams. Shaysan has <laughs> four goals on eight shots against Arizona. But I, I'm still going to shout him out. Like, this actually looks like I use, you're right. I usually do poo poo Alex Shaysan pretty quickly, but I don't see much to poo poo lately. Like, this is a pretty exciting run. He's on five goals on his last 20 shots, which is like, yeah, 25% success rate, but that's not as absurd as Jordan Stahl's 50% success rate lately. Plus, Jason's getting top power play time. Saw seven, over seven minutes on the power play against San Jose. Five minutes in the Canucks' last game uh, on the power play against Arizona. Three power play points he's put together from all that power play time. And it's it's very strange. I can't think... I can think of maybe back at the start of Jason's career. I feel like that's the only time he's been shooting as much as he has lately, putting up four shots a game over his last five. So he's actually like, you know, if his schedule works out for you, a pretty appealing guy to roster playing with JT Miller at even strength on the top power play unit and just bombing away like five, like putting shots on net. Like I swear he hasn't in close to a decade. So Alex Chaison, this is probably Elon, the most excited I've been about him or any, uh, 30 point player like Shaysan's been a 30 point player the last three years but this is the most excited I've been about him or anybody of his stature uh, from a small run because there's a lot of really good indicators here if you can make him work for your schedule well, definitely, I think you will be able to, right? Because while last week Vancouver had the worst schedule of the week, playing only Tuesday, Thursday, coming up, they play Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. So you get two games right off the bat. Tuesday's a somewhat busy day, but not too crazy. Ten games on that day. Yeah, we got Dallas and then Ottawa. So might as well, if he's going to be on the top power play with Horvat out, yeah, I'll be surprised if you see a more appealing option, especially if you're in a deeper league. Brian Chason or Vincent Trocek for next week. Both play four times. Uh, Chason is a lot hotter. It's not even close, but Trocek obviously is better on the season overall. That's a really tough question because Trocek, it's like, well, at least he's going to get you a couple shots. In a bangers league, I will lean Trocek, but Trocek's only getting you a couple shots a game these days. I honestly... Man, like this is hard to say out loud and I'm curious what your take is, but I'm going to I'm going to put my neck out there first. I'm going to say I think I'd go Shayson. Yeah, you know what? This is the playoffs, man. You got to play short term, you got to play cutthroat. Yeah, like like we said, Trocheck might be appealing, but Shayson in the spot he's in it's looking good. It would be a tough... I would try to, like, drop someone else, or if they're both available, I'd try to maybe get both, because they both have a good schedule next week. Maybe I would lean keeping Trocek for the Monday game against Arizona, and then consider flipping after that. But, uh, yeah, just the fact that you're having this conversation makes... Uh, it's pretty surprising, right? 
I mean, Trocek hasn't even been that great this season, right? 51 point pace. So like even like he's really cold lately, which probably knocked him off of a 55 point pace. But even on a 55 point pace, you're still, you know what? That's two points every three games or so. Um, So it's not it's not world beating performance. And of course, you can't expect world beating from Alex Jason. But even if the justification is that Vincent Trocek is cold, so don't overreact and take Jason ahead of him, I'd say, well, even if Trocek is not cold, he's still not doing something so exciting that you would overlook what Jason is doing. But I'm with you, Elon. If you can find a way to work with both, uh, then work with both. Yeah, I guess that's that's a I guess a bit of a easy answer to give, like just get both. But yeah, I'm uh, the one who picked one player. Who so you agree, Shaysan? My pick would be to do Trocheck Monday and then swap. That's my pick. Okay, me too. <laughs> okay, well, good. So we're in agreement. We've given great advice here. So we've got a lot more advice to give on this episode. Uh, we're gonna do, or maybe I'll here really quickly. I mentioned a couple of late injuries. Austin Matthews is sitting out of today's game for the Leafs. Apparently, it's minor, so probably not much to dig into here. Except like, really sucks for people who are like still in their couple finals or fantasy finals that end today, and they're in close matchups. Losing Matthews has got to be killer, including for my brother Joel, who's fighting for his life in Tier Three Binghamton of the couple. And then also, Shams just mentioned that Patrick Line is day to day this is new news uh so we'll see i don't know i I don't have anything to say about that but obviously that stinks again on a sunday losing your star player if you're in a close matchup i just all we can say is we feel for you but yeah we're gonna now get to some outjuries which are fun and then some hot and cold streaks to end the show you're listening to keeping carlson Hey, everybody. Unfortunately, you're not going to be able to be the ultimate champion of the Cacuffle this season. That doesn't mean that you won't be able to be the ultimate champion of your kitchen if you use our sponsor for this episode. And those are our friends over at HelloFresh because they're sending you championship food boxes every week so that you can cook your way to ultimate dinner glory. That's right. You can skip your trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. All right, Brian and I have been getting these HelloFresh boxes. We live in different houses, actually. We both get our own separate boxes. When I get my box, I don't know about Brian, but I'm always super exciting. You heard Dina talk about it when she helped me do the ad a couple shows ago. And yeah, when the box comes, it's just like, oh yeah, we're eating well tonight. There's always something like super delicious. You could choose in advance, by the way. You can look through the menu, choose which meals are interesting for you. They have a bunch of different types of, of meals to fit what type of diet you have, you know, vegetarian all meat all the time like family friendly it's really great and it's like super easy you get these like fresh ingredients you get these like cards that tell you exactly what to do you have to be a real idiot to mess it up trust me because i used to be very bad in the kitchen i guess i probably still am but you wouldn't know if you tried the food that i make from HelloFresh. i just pop on a podcast listening to a stream scheme or to a short shifts or whatever and then i just cook this meal next thing you know half hour later i'm serving like a gourmet meal to my family it's unbelievable and guess what you can do the same thing because this is an advertisement for a product so obviously you can do the same thing if you give it a try and if you're thinking oh no is it for me guess what risk-free because we've got an offer for you if you've never used hellofresh before brian why don't you tell people about it if you hate risk check out this offer you can go to hellofresh.com slash keeping k16 and use the code keeping k16 for up to 16 free meals, and three free gifts. That's right. All you have to do, go to HelloFresh.com slash KeepingK16. Use that code. Get 16 free meals and three free gifts. 
so that you can try out, without risk, without paying full price, America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. One more time, that's HelloFresh.com slash KeepingK16 for 16 free meals and three free gifts. Okay, Brian, we are back. And now let's get into some algeries, some players that have finally come back to help their fantasy managers if it is not too late, starting in Montreal, where Carey Price made his long-awaited return to Les Habitants. And it didn't go that great against the Andres. He started well, but then by the end of the game, he had let in a couple goals on only 19 shots against. And the Habs lost. I think they got shut out, right? Yeah, 3-0 to the Islanders. But hey, whatever. It's cool to see Carey Price back. He's one of the best in the world when he's at his 100% we saw last year in the playoffs and I saw a quote from coach Marty St. Louis that like he's basically going to let Price play as many games as he wants for the rest of the season Uh, so next week we've got Minnesota Tuesday then Philly Thursday then Ottawa and Boston Saturday Sunday so I'd imagine you're probably getting three of those games obviously there's some risk associated because maybe something goes wrong and he has to go back on the shelf but again we were talking before about some backup goalies you may be interested in how would you compare like you can grab a you know Auntie Ranta or you can grab a uh, Carey Price, <laughs> it seems like a no-brainer, but also Montreal is not the greatest team, and Carey Price has come off of a long layoff. So I'm happy to see him back. Personally, I'd be kind of nervous to play him, but maybe that's not nice to say. Uh, why isn't it nice to say? I think it's just reasonable. Like, yeah, we're all rooting for Carey Price. We really are uh, coming off, like, a challenging time in his life where he, like, stepped up and said, like, hey, I need help. I'm going to go get help, and I'm going to come back, and it's going to be a heartwarming moment and beautiful, and it was. But uh, if we need to, like, commit to the guy to put up numbers for us, I don't think anyone is expecting to make this a time that we're ready to do that. I think Montreal is going to give him all the minutes he can handle, especially with Jake Allen out. I mean, what, you're going to play Sam Montembeau over Carey Price? I I don't think so, unless, you know, Carey Price is hurt or being embarrassed some other way where it's just pointless for him to be in the net. Uh, he's not someone I'd want to rely on. And Elon, I, I would say actually normally, like you're like, oh, well, normally we'd say Carrie Price over Auntie Ranta. And I would say no to that for the last five years. I would actually prefer Auntie Ranta in any of the, the last five seasons, essentially, over Carrie Price. Um, and I still feel that way now. So Carrie Price, a candidate to see uh, a whole bunch of pucks, even though he didn't see very many. He only saw 19 shots against in his first game. Uh, It was a decent performance from him, and it was good to see him back. But he only gave up two goals, and he didn't get the win. So I feel like that's just another reason to not be into him, because wins are going to be hard to come by, and we don't know that we can rely on him to be up to speed, right? He basically has missed the entire season and a whole bunch of last two. So we'll see uh, what comes, but he's not somebody I would want to uh, stake myself to. Uh, as I try and win my fantasy championship. Okay, next outjury. Let's go to St. Louis, who have just finished demolishing the Nashville Predators 8-3 to today. And I want to talk about Tory Krug, who made his way back to the lineup after missing a month or so. And he came back, like, crushing it in his first few games himself. He had a golden assist against Boston, two assists against Buffalo, one assist against Minnesota. So you're probably asking yourself, man, I can't even imagine what kind of damage he did on eight goals versus Nashville. Well, I'll tell you, it was no points and only one shot. He pulled a 
Braden point and totally let his managers down. But I guess they can't complain because at least he gave you a good week up until today. But man, it's so frustrating when you have a player and that team scores so many points and you get nothing. I had uh, Ranton in earlier this week for a game when Colorado dropped eight on someone and Ranton had a single assist. But here, Krug didn't even do that. So then who did do well? Like, uh, I guess Justin Falk, he had an assist. It was Callie Rosen. It was actually the defenseman you wanted today. It looks like two goals and an assist. Uh, definitely wasn't expecting that. Obviously, the big star of the game, as usual lately, Vladimir Tarasenko, another goal and two assists. Holy cow. We'll talk about him in just a sec. But Brian Torrey Krug, got to imagine, he was back on the top power play. So even though he got no points, no-brainer if he's available. Actually, it was only like six seconds of power play time. Looks yeah. like St. Louis didn't even have many power plays. And I, I'd imagine it's six seconds, meaning they scored and just maybe he didn't get in on it. Whatever. Krug, you probably want him if he's available because he's a top power play defenseman on a team that's able to score eight goals. Yeah, or time expired, you know, like there was a four on four, whatever, like something canceled out of a power play that they had. I think the one thing I'll point out about Troy Krug is that his ice time since coming back has not returned to normal. Uh, before being injured, he was seeing 20 to 22 minutes a night. Since coming back, his first game back against Boston, he played 14 minutes. Like, okay, you can forgive the first game back from injury. Since then, he's played 17 minutes, 20 minutes, and 18 minutes. So I, I don't know if he's still easing back into things, and that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, the shots only really came in that Boston game, and he was I think he was fired up like emotionally for that game. I wonder if he actually pushed himself to come back, because that was a big deal for him. But only four shots in Tory Krug's last three games. So the points are coming. And by, this is coming from someone who remember last show, Elon, we were talking about Justin Falk and Nick Letty and how hot they were. And I was like, well, what, you know, what's Tory Krug's timeline? It didn't seem clear. But I was like, maybe it'll change once Krug comes back. We weren't sure if he'd get back on the top unit. He has. Okay, so he's there. Uh, he's in a decent spot. But I'm not seeing a full return to the kind of numbers that I'd like to see from Tory Krug in his shot counts or in his time on ice. But the points are there, and the power play time uh, is also there. So he's obviously an attractive guy. If he was somehow dropped to toss into your lineup going forward, I would prefer him at this point, Elon. You tell me if I'm wrong. Like, you were so pumped about Justin Falk, who now has, after going pointless in a couple, two points in his last two games. Nick Luddy's been uh, injured, but he'd been uh, pointless for a few. But I think I'd still prefer Tori Krug to both of them, even with these light concerns around his usage yeah it's probably close probably a coin flip like i don't think it's like obvious like for sure krug is gonna be better than falk but uh yeah i guess you probably want to go with the top power play guy falk has had like just an amazing season though he's up to 42 points in 70 games that's a almost a 50 point pace uh so he is approaching potentially a career high he's got 42 points overall he once had 49 points in a season with carolina and that was when we were like wow this uh justin falk this that was back in 2014-15 when we thought falk is going to be like a future fantasy mainstay i think i kept him in a league actually after after that season and it turned out to not be too useful to me to do because after that he just declined and declined and declined so nice to see him having kind of a bounce back season but yeah Krug is, is obviously good and just in general just with St. Louis scoring so many goals lately how could you not want like anyone who's going to be on the ice for all of this offense uh, that's like used in offensive capacity like Falk or Krug uh, but yeah obviously the big pusher of this offense lately has been Vladimir Tarasenko like I said another huge game today and that is something that has become 
Like, not that rare. It's not surprising to see that he had three points today. He had five points in a game against Buffalo earlier this week in that game when Rob Thomas had five assists, uh, but it was a hat trick for Tarasenko. He's actually scored now in five straight games, and one of those was a hat trick, one of those was two goals. Overall, he's up to 33 goals and 76 points in 69 games. Brian, it's so funny to me that Tarasenko was someone we debated about since we started keeping Carlson, that at first we thought he was going to be this like superstar player, and then eventually you sort of convinced me, you sort of hammered it home, that like I, every year I'd be like, maybe this is the year that Tarasenko finally breaks out as like above point per game, and you were like, ah, I think he's probably settled in pretty safely as like around a 75-ish point guy, which is good, but not, you know, like first round good. And now this year, the year when everyone had kind of given up on him, the Kraken could have taken him in the expansion draft, and they passed, and now Tarasenko is having the year of his life. He's up to now 76 points in 69 games. It's a 90-point pace and climbing with the way he's putting up points in this last couple of weeks. 12 points in his last five games. That was going into today. So make that 15 points in his last six games. Oh, my goodness. Vladimir Tarasenko. It's nothing really actionable we could say. Like, obviously, you want anyone playing with him, but they're probably all rostered as well. Buchnevich and Rob Thomas, they're just, like, making just such a fantastic line together. But woo-wee, he's going to be fun to try to predict for next year. Brian, I guess you won't be able to say anymore that this is just a 75-point guy because he's shown us that he has another gear. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, after years of being correct about him being a 75-point player... You're right. I will reevaluate because Vladimir Tarasenko is showing us uh, a new gear of production that we've never seen from him before over this many games in a row. Uh, Look, I'm going to give you a pretty boring answer. I think one of the reasons why he's been so successful this year is that he has a career-high shooting percentage this year. Tarasenko shooting 17% compared to his career-high before now in 2014-15 which was 13%. And keep in mind, that's not his average career shooting percentage. That's his career high shooting percentage before this one. Normally, I think we'd expect Vlad to be like in the 10, 11% range as a shooter, which would put him at about, well, he has 220 shots this year. So I would put him at 22 goals, uh, which is 11 fewer than the 33 he has, which would put him to a 65 points in 69 games, which Elon, guess what pace that works out too. What, 75? Yeah, pretty much. Like, so Vladimir Tarasenko having himself a really great season in a way that I'm not sure is entirely sustainable. I mean, the guy's been on fire. He's also playing uh, like not a lot of minutes this year, a career low. in Well, I shouldn't say career low. Uh, low since his sophomore season back in 2013-14. Tarasenko has never seen fewer minutes than he has this season at five on five. And yet... Um, I mean, obviously, this latest goal scoring binge he's been on with eight goals on his last 13 shots in the last five games has really just vaulted him right up there. It's been it's funny to be talking about how great St. Louis Blue Vladimir Tarasenko is doing, especially we talked about Tristan Jari earlier. It's like, oh, the Penguins are really going to miss Tristan Jari. Imagine saying these things like six to eight months ago when both of these guys were totally on the outs with their organizations. So good on Tarasenko for having an amazing season, showing he's got a little something extra in the tank. I'm desperate to see if he can pull this off for another season because I'm not convinced that he has evolved from a 75-point player to a 90-point player. But it's great to see him doing a lot with less and... uh you know, been a great, like, huge value in fantasy drafts. I'm sure he's on a lot of rosters that have made it far into the playoffs because if you have Tarasenko on your team, you did not uh, pay 
capital to acquire him that is in line with a 90-point player. I'm sure of it. Yeah, no, for sure. You got him late after you probably had other great picks with your earlier picks. So yeah, Tarasenko's probably going to be on a lot of championship teams. And like, it's probably not even anything about him for why his ice time is down, right? It's just St. Louis is just so deep. They run these yeah. three great lines. Everyone's so ice have... time is down yeah. in St. Louis. We've talked, like, they, they don't want to give anybody a showcase role. Like, this is how they do it. It's hurt Ryan O'Reilly. It's hurt Braden Shen. We've talked about how it's impacted. So it's a good point, Elon. Like, and I don't mean to say Tarasenko's lost minutes. He's just not playing a lot that's all yeah but when he does play he's playing with rob freaking thomas who's dishing to him in a way that's making it easy for him to score eight goals on 13 shots or whatever it is because he's showing himself to be just this like elite playmaker like a henrik sedin we're looking at in terms of like you know not the most shots on goal but he's getting you so many assists every day that even in your you know leagues like the cupful where just an assist a game is maybe not even worth rostering but rob thomas is giving you a lot more than an assist per game and yeah he's been fantastic as well but i guess we got to move on from the St. Louis Blues and talk about another outtree of a player that maybe you actually might be able to get in free agency. That's Andreas Athanasiu, a guy kind of like Alex Chason. I feel like we've been talking about him for years and generally it's, you know, actually, Brian, you used to be really into him. You thought he had big upside in Detroit. Uh, he sort of fizzled out there, but now he's in LA and he's like looking really good since he's come back from his latest injury. He was playing on a line in the last game with Kopitar and Kempe, so you can't do much better than that. And he's got five points in his last four games since coming back from injury he was pointless against Columbus but before that he had goals in three straight games after his return good number of shots I like everything I'm seeing from Athanasiu in terms of just these box scores LA plays three times next week on the busy days so I guess it's tough to just recommend grabbing him for people who don't have room but if you've got space to get him on Tuesday versus Anaheim or Thursday versus Chicago or Saturday versus Anaheim those are three games where I could see LA scoring some goals and Athanasiu like I said is in a really good spot and he might be someone you want to take a look at if you could fit him in your lineup. Yeah, he's definitely uh, above like the Nechas line of player that I'm looking to add. Uh, Athanasiu, like you said, Elon is someone that I have shown interest in in the past, but he's never been able to like hold good deployment because he has these huge defensive holes in his game. Uh, so it's great that he's playing up on the top line. And you're probably wondering, well, who did he displace? That's Alex Iafalo. Uh, so keep an eye on him and he might be snoozing, even though he's got two points in his last three and nine shots in his last two games, uh, playing on a line with Dustin Brown and Blake Lizotte. So Anze Kopitar has kind of been booted off the IFALO Dustin Brown line, replaced by Blake Lizotte, uh, if you flip it around and look at it another way. But the way to look at this is top line Andres Athanasiu taking shots, seeing uh, like decent ice time is somebody worth a look. Ah, yes, the good old days when Dustin Brown was a top-line player with Andre Kopitar. That was like at the start of the season, but obviously things have changed a little bit in LA, and now we'll see it. Dustin Brown, by the way, is an unrestricted free agent. It'll be interesting to see him on a different team next year. I feel like LA probably won't re-sign him, so that'll be a really, like, uninteresting UFA signing that, who knows, maybe we'll talk about him at least one more time on Keeping Carlson before he falls into obscurity next season. One more Adri, okay? Let's go to Anaheim. Ryan Getzlaff. This is definitely might be the last time we talk about him, because he's announced he's retiring at the end of the season but in the meantime he's still playing and he has an assist today uh, so you know he, he's not completely done he also had a point in his last game and overall like Ryan Getzlaff is still you know he's, he's retiring on top right and not in terms of like his team success but he's playing on the top line today with Henrik and Troy Terry he assisted on a Troy Terry goal like I said he also had two assists versus Tampa Bay in Anaheim's last game so I definitely don't think Ryan Getzlaff is like a sure thing and next week Anaheim plays three times and only on Tuesday and then Saturday Sunday 
So don't grab him for Tuesday. But, you know, if you're looking for a player who plays a couple times on the weekend, you know, Ryan Getzlaff has been good to us for many, many years. And he also had a really good run even this year. So someone to keep your eye on. Uh, you know, maybe he's going to have a lot of extra oomph. He's going to give it all he's got, right? He doesn't have to worry about saving anything in the tank. The career is going to be over after two weeks. So maybe he's going to have a really proper send-off. I'd imagine he'll get, like, primo deployment. Like, there's no reason why Travis Green's not just going to give him all the best deployment. You know, like, whatever Getzlaff wants, he's going to get. It's not like Anaheim has anything to play for. So I think that could be a reason to expect a strong end of a career for Getzlaff. For sure. It's been a, it's been a nice run for Ryan Getzlaff. I don't know. Is this the time to do, like, the career reflection on former 90-point guy, Ryan? Like, he came into, like, being as a 90-point player. Uh, really fantastic years with Corey Perry. Uh, actually, he did that. Like, he was hitting 90 points for a solid like 10 11 years or the better part of those 10 11 years before falling off uh, about in 18 19 was his last really fantasy relevant season there's not a whole lot to say uh, about his value i, I guess uh, i'll just share another anaheim take which is also not a great take uh, but if you have sunny milano on your roster for some reason still you're snoozing. He's not doing anything. He's playing like bottom six. He's not shooting. He has uh, two points in the last two months. Uh, he's missed a few games in there. But if you somehow have Milano still sitting on your roster, you can dump him. And it's unlikely Ryan Getzlaff is available. But that's all. Like, there's nothing more to say about Ryan Getzlaff. So thanks for yeah. calling him out, Elon. Way to go, Ryan Getzlaff. I uh, hope you finish your career strong. If you're listening to this show and you're going into your finals and you have Sonny Milano, like, yeah. and you heard that advice from Brian and you're like, oh, <laughs> good one. <laughs> what should I have said instead? Okay. You should have said that another guy that's interesting is Ryan Getzlaff's line mate, Adam Henrique, who isn't in a recent outjury, but he actually has been really good overall since he came yeah. back at the beginning of April. He's been getting points almost every single game. And if Getzlaff, if we're saying that he's going to get great deployment, he, he's good friends with his friend Adam, who he's you're been right. playing with for a while. I, t- I totally blew the obvious call for Adam Henrique. To be honest, I looked at Henrique on on Getzlaff's line. I'm like, okay, everyone knows he's doing that, right? He's been like, this has been an incredible season for Adam Henrique, somebody who I've doubted time and time again, uh, except, you know, early on in his career, there were a couple years with New Jersey. I was like, maybe he could do something. But this so far is on pace to be a career year for Adam Henrique. He's on pace for 60 points. Uh, he's been able, even though I still don't think he's like the greatest hockey player, uh, he's been able to solidify a place in a top six in Anaheim that has some players that you like to play with. Uh, so I'm going to say if you're in the finals, Adam Henrique is probably also gone. Uh, but we can take a moment here to at least celebrate no. Adam. <laughs> you don't think he's he's unavailable? Yeah, he's probably available in a lot of leagues. Like I could bring it up on Yahoo right now. Okay, let's take a guess. Let's play over under. I'm going to guess 50. I'm going to guess 40%. Are you going to take higher or lower? So he has 21 points in his last 23 games. He's shooting 20, like 11 goals on 54 so he- shots. Uh, so like, you know, a little high, but... This has been going on for a while. Uh, All right, so what's your take? Higher or lower than 40% (laughs) rostered on Yahoo? Well, this just shows my faith in Yahoo uh, roster ship. I'll go go under. Yeah, 16%. Wow, that's way under. Well, don't forget he missed time also. So uh, I think some people he might be available to. So go get get Getzlaff or go get Henrik if you want to get some. But again, like I said, Ducks don't play until the weekend except for one game. So come set. Remember this. Write yourself a little to-do on your phone. Tell your your smart device, you know, hey, 
you know, the A person, remind me on Saturday to add Henrik or Getzlaff. I don't want to say it, Brian, because people might be listening out loud, and then all of a sudden I'm going to trigger their Oh, I thought you were calling somebody a bad name. No, I would never. Okay. Yeah. It's not my style. Okay, Okay. let's do some some hot streaks now to end the show here. Let's go to Brian's favorite team, your Ottawa Senators. And they've got a new exciting – I mean, he's been on the team for a while, but finally really breaking out. We've seen little runs from Tim Stutzla, but I think he's showing himself – like, you know, now we're seeing why this guy who's only 20 years old was picked third overall in that draft a couple of years ago. What a run. He's on 13 points in his last eight games after a couple goals against the Leafs on Saturday. Uh, what is there to say? Like, obviously, the Sens are very excited. If you're a Sens fan, you're already maybe chomping at the bit for next season to see this all come together with all these, like, you know, early 20s guys ready to maybe take a run at a playoff spot. Finally, especially now that you have a, a solid goalie in Anton Forsberg, finally a goalie that seems to be somewhat reliable. But anyways, we don't want to do a deep dive into the Sens here, but I'm just curious to know, Brian, how for real is this Tim Stutzler run? Like, obviously, if he's available for next week, this is like, we've had some people saying that they could add him. And Ottawa has a great schedule. They play Monday, Tuesday, Friday, Saturday. So that's two off day games and four games by Saturday. So if somehow Stutzler is available, I'm not even going to ask. This is, I'm going to tell. Get him. Like, stop, pause the pod and grab Tim Stutzler, right? But Brian, I'm curious, just like, how, I, like, this is very exciting, right? You must be excited as a Sens fan. Next year, you know, like, there's going to be like Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, like, and Stutzler all available in fantasy drafts. You know, probably Brady Kachuk is the clear, like, guy you take first for good reason. But after that, like, has Stutzler, like, overtaken even Norris and Batherson in terms of how excited we should be about him for fantasy? The question for Stutzler was always a matter of deployment. Like, he couldn't stick even, like, on, definitely not on the top line and not even, sometimes not even in the top six. He was, like, sort of being stuck in the middle six, not able to really establish himself. They're trying him out, like, oh, can he be a center? Is he a winger? Uh, but even with all of that, like, he spent the last two games since Drake Batherson's returned playing with Drake Batherson. Before that, he was playing with guys like Alex Formanton, Connor Brown, uh, Adam Gaudet, and still putting up points night after night, 25 points in Stutzler's last 20 games. Huge part of that has been Stutzler's power play production, 13 power play points over his last 20 games is that Ottawa Senators' top power play unit is really clicking with Kachuk, Batherson, Norris, and Stutzla. I would say the stumbling block for Stutzla, say that 10 times fast, is that he still might not necessarily have a place on the top line in Ottawa, right? He might be on a really good second line if he's paired with Drake Batherson. And I think Alex Formanton is a top six player while Kachuk and Norris play with Connor Brown. Uh, but it's still line number two. So Schutzel right now is being powered by 24 power play points in 72 games, which is huge, right? So if he can keep that going on the top power play unit, which I, I think he should, there's no doubt about that. So we don't have to worry about that piece of his deployment. That's going to be the bedrock for him being able to continue putting up points at five on five. Uh, And even from the second line, if his power play production stays the way it has been, which it very well could, uh, then I think he's a pretty good lock for 60, uh, which he's already pacing for this year. So that's a a pretty boring. I guess the question is, are we expecting point per game? And I think the Norris versus Batherson question was a really good one. I feel like also coming into this season, those three were on similar footing. 
And going into next season, I think they're still on similar footing, but at a level about 20 points higher than we were considering them coming into this season. So I, I don't know I'm ready to pick one, Elon, but I can say Stutzel just seems like so exciting and so confident. But all these guys do. These are all young players that we're watching come into their own before our eyes. And like every game, they seem to have found like picked up just another little hint of like how to succeed at the NHL level. And uh, I think they're no brainer draft picks next season so i'll still if 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 it's okay with you i'd like to just lump them all together for now we can try and tease them apart in the off season uh but yeah schutzler on the top power play and playing with batherson at even strength good situation and i can only see him getting better all right i'm gonna throw a name at you brian to consider just to get the mouth watering for sans fans like yourself i'm kind of seeing here like uh, Andre Svechnikov in terms of fantasy, not necessarily in style of play, but you know, his first year, he was good, not amazing. Now, then when he turned 20, he like really started to show us something. And then by 21, Svechnikov is like, you know, crazy superstar. And what I'm seeing here from Stutzla as a 20 year old, just going on the run that he's on, uh, you know, producing so much on the power play, like you said. And remember, Svechnikov sometimes wouldn't play with Aho. And so he'd be a little worried about like, what kind of upside could he really have? And maybe you could say the same about Stutzla, maybe he won't be playing with Brady Kachuk, but I don't know. I could see Stutzler really being uh you know a high value guy for next season someone maybe like a Tarasenko this year right someone that falls then it'll turn out that he was someone who was amazing and maybe he's not like as sure a thing as like a Tarasenko or a Sveshnikov but I don't know it's always very exciting when you see a 20 year old on a run like this that's all I'm gonna say I love that comparison, Elon. Off mic, I made a failed comparison to Martin Nietzsche's. Like, I started making it and realized it wasn't the right one, but I'm glad you found the right Carolina Hurricane. I think that's a great, a great thought about big power play success with not ideal five on five, but still enough to make, to make some noise with. I'm, I'm very excited about Tim Schutzler. I think probably of that whole group with Batherson and Norris, the, maybe the one distinction I'll give him is he might have the highest upside of anybody there. There you go. And by the way, speaking of players who sort of maybe were slow at points this season, but right now are just en fuego, we have to go to Minnesota and talk about, I could be talking about a bunch of people, but I'm going to specifically, God, one more time for Kevin Fiala. We've, he's gotten a lot of play this season on Keeping Carlson, but man, the run he's on right now is insane. Uh, as we speak, is this game over yet? The Minnesota's playing San Jose. Yeah, they've won 5-4 in overtime, a one goal, three assist performance for Kevin Fiala. And this is not a rarity recently. He's just like getting points every single game. He had eight points in his previous five games going into today. And uh, just another huge performance. He is cr- like amazing. And he's even now finally for the second game in a row on the top power play. That's the one thing he didn't have. Now he had none of these points today were on the power play. It's looking like, but nice to know he has it. You know, I made a trade, Brian, in our uh, keeper league that we're in with Shams, who, by the way, won. Congrats, Shams, on winning the Babuffle. Great accomplishment. Shams knocked actually my team out in the quarterfinals. Uh, But yeah, in the Babuffle, I had uh, Trevor Zegras and I traded him for Fiala and I also got a pickup grade and people might be thinking, what are you crazy? Zegras is the future. Uh, so it's only, by the way, you can only keep for like four years. So it's not like I gave up Zegras' whole career, just like the next three years after this one. But yeah, I'd be curious to know, Brian, what you think at this point in terms of Fiala for the future. Cause like this year he's been so up and down. Now we're going to go into drafts next year and people are going to be looking at a near point per game guy. Cause that's where he's currently at. He's at 73 points in 75 games after this game today. 
do you have to be wary that once again he could just be pushed down the lineup and he's going to be someone we have to worry about? Or like, can we finally just be like Kevin Fiala's good and he'll be able to actually do this for a whole season? Because the run he's on right now is just absolutely insane. And he seems to be clicking so well with Boldy and Freddie Goudreau. So they've got, they've got a good spot for him. Yeah, like uh, that's the big question, right? Do you draft Kevin Fiala knowing that this year, 15 points in his first 25 games left a lot of people just like wondering, what am I going to do? And even I, at one point, was starting to lose faith in the buy low uh, argument I've always made for Kevin Fiala because like his ice time was still low and his deployment wasn't improving. But things started clicking at some point. 54 points now in Fiala's last 49 uh, could games. Could I say at some point? I think it was when Boldy came, right? I feel like that was the point. It was around the time, yeah, when he got on line with Boldy and Gaudreau together, and they all started doing things. And, as, like, so, yeah, so do you draft this guy with this track record of just leaving you hanging out to dry for the first few months? But now we can say, like, he's been on fire. Fiala's been on fire for 50 games after a slow start for the first 25 games. So he's been doing well for twice as long as the time that he wasn't doing well. And I think that's enough. Like we see the place coming into the season. The the reason we were starting to lose a little bit of faith in Fiala is we didn't see where he fit into the Minnesota depth chart. And we saw he wasn't like elevating himself up it. But now that we see he has a line, he has a place, we don't have to worry about the guy. Then maybe I will uh, once again on draft day, be ready to take another swing on Kevin Fiala and just be ready to, to grit my teeth through any early season struggles. But yeah, he's done enough to erase any concern over those first 25 games for me at that at yeah. this point. Right, do you have it in front of you who his line mates were at the start of the year? I remember like the problem was it seemed like he was lining up with nobody. Like he wasn't on the Kaprizov line. He didn't have a center. All of a sudden now, like Freddie Goudreau, by the way, has goals. I think he had goals in three straight games going into today. Three assists today. Did I mention that I picked it? It's almost like sad now that Mike a couple seasons over because I just made this great free agent pick up of Freddie Goudreau. I want to hold on to him longer. But it was a nice uh, final day of the season stream. He's looking amazing. Boldy is someone also who I got in free agency. And he had another goal and assist today five shots like it really just seems like the one thing that was missing from Fiala is he just didn't have good players to play with and I don't know actually the status of Freddie Gaudreau so how about I'll look that up quickly while you answer my last question if he's even gonna be back next season but even regardless like Boldy's obviously amazing and he's gonna be there for a while because he's just a rookie so it just seems like yeah I feel a little bit more confident in Fiala for next season just because we don't have to worry about if he's gonna be attached to Kaprizov he can be away from Kaprizov and still produce yeah, exactly. I mean, his production this season started just a, a smidge before Boldy came, but you know, that could just be, yeah, he went, he was hot, even in a tough situation. To answer your question, Fiala started the season on a line with Freddie Gaudreau and Victor Rask, and then was moved to a line with Marcus Felino and Joel Erickson Eck. And then there was a bit of blending over the next like five or 10 games or so until Boldy came into the picture. And like you said, uh, it's all, it's all history. Yeah, by the way, Gaudreau still signed for another season. So that line, I don't see why that can't... I mean, we'll have a whole playoffs, I guess, to see like if anything changes there. But as of now, that looks like a great trio for sure. And yeah, in terms of people in deeper leagues that are like, stop telling me about Stutzla and Fiala, <laughs> they're not available. Uh, Freddie Gaudreau might be, and he is doing really well. I guess I could actually look at Minnesota's schedule and see if that's a useful advice here. They play, oh yeah, four games, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. So two off days in there. Go check if... Uh, oh, actually, Sundays looks like a busy day, actually. There's going to be 11 games. But yeah, check and see if Goudreau is available for you. And obviously, we've already talked enough about Johnny Goudreau. 
being an amazing Gajon in his own right. But Freddy Gajon, not, not too bad. I guess let's go to Buffalo next. I don't even know if it's really worth talking about them just because their schedule next week is not very good at all. They only play on Thursday and Saturday, but at least some players to keep in mind. One is Victor Olofsson, who has usurped Alex Tuck. Like, Olofsson's taken over on that top line with Thompson and Skinner, leaving Tuck to play with... Uh, Casey Middlestat and Peyton Krebs. At least that was well, how things were looking in today's game. Uh, so yeah, uh, not great, I guess, for Alex Tuck. Not that he's been terrible, but I want to talk about Victor Olafson here, who had another great game against Philly in the 5-3 win. He scored a couple of goals. By the way, did I say that Alex Tuck hasn't been terrible? Let me just bring him up quickly because I want to make sure that's actually true. I think he has been not very good recently. Yeah, he had, well, he no, he had a goal against St. Louis and he had a couple assists against Toronto. He's pointless in his last couple against Philly. So whatever. I'm not talking about Alex Tuck. I'm talking about Victor Olofsson. Victor Golofsson. And right now he's someone that I think you might be interested in because, like I said, he's on the top line. He's on a hot run. But Buffalo doesn't play until Thursday. But uh, when they do play, it seems like Olofsson has a good chance to maybe start looking like he's maybe starting to be the guy that we thought he was when he had that rookie season. He was really clicking with Jack Eichel. And I believe that was the year. Wasn't that the year when Skinner scored all those goals and they got that good contract? But uh, or I guess probably not. No, because it was Olofsson who was taking Skinner's spot. Anyway, Brian, clearly people could tell that I'm doing this off the cuff. All I'm saying is Victor Olofsson's doing really well right now and he's on the top line. So that's just something noteworthy. Yeah, well, I think actually what we're trying to say here is if you're playing with uh, Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner, uh, then you're wanted on fantasy rosters. Olofsson has been on a goal-scoring tear lately, 13 goals now with two today uh, in his last 24 games, and uh, not a ridiculous shooting percentage in that time. He's got those 13 goals on 61 shots, which means uh, like he's somewhere you know, just above 20% shooting. And uh, that's not, that's okay. Like that, that might be like, it's high for sure, especially for a guy whose career number was 10%. But it doesn't mean that it's all a mirage. Um, One concerning thing about Olofsson all season long has been his ice time. Like he's been averaging 15 minutes of icy game. And this is somebody who we were expecting to like step up and get to play. Like we were saying coming into the season that Olofsson is the one Buffalo Sabre worth rostering that you can count on to score. And sure enough, he gets demoted into the middle six, loses uh, two minutes a night of ice time. And his heater at the start of the season was just that, a heater. I think this is a bit of a mix between some luck and playing with really great line mates, which he wasn't doing at the start of the season. So Elon, I like what you're saying, pointing out Victor Olofsson. He's still a bit of a mystery to me. I've sort of given up on him having huge upside, but as a 55 point guy, who's like sometimes hot and then other times unreliable, that's sort of how he's shaping up to me to be. Okay, yeah. So unfortunately, Buffalo doesn't have the great schedule, but maybe for the following week, you want to take a look at Olafson if he's somehow still out there. Let's go to Washington now, a team with a great schedule, at least for next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. I feel like Dave wouldn't call it a streamagami on stream scheme since Sunday is a busy day. But still, at least for those first three days, you probably want to get in on some Washington Capitals. You might be thinking, well, which ones should I grab? I guess one that jumps out to me is Anthony Mantha, who's been somewhat disappointing, or at least he was 
was when he first came back from that injury. But lately, I mean, we just saw him put up two goals and two assists against Montreal in that crazy win. And that was with Montembeau in net. So again, that might be kind of like those Arizona games we were talking about before. I don't know how much you want to count them. Before that, though, he had a couple assists against Philly. He had an assist against Boston. So Mantha seems to be getting involved in the offense. I don't love the ice time. I don't really love yeah. the, the power play deployment. But yeah. if, you know, the obvious guys on Washington are taken, I guess he's someone to look at at this point with a good schedule coming up. Exactly. I think that's that's it. He's sort of like maybe even a downgrade from someone like Brandon Saad, who we were talking about, as someone who, if St. Louis has a good schedule for you, you can add him. He'll hit about as much as he misses. And I wouldn't say that is true for Anthony Mantha. I think he still might miss a little more than he hits. But he is coming back onto the scene. But that ice time is definitely concerning. 14 minutes a night. Uh, he's playing with Tom Wilson at even strength, which I guess is something. But Tom Wilson without Ovechkin, I feel like that's not really so great of a situation. And like you also said, Elon, he's not seeing uh, top power play minutes either. So, uh, yeah, I think he had a great game against Montreal, five shots, four points. But that was against Montreal, and I don't think we should read too much into it. So don't don't trip over yourself for Anthony Mantha, but a, a decent sort of deeper cut. Yeah, definitely a schedule play there a little bit. Maybe in the Vincent Trocek-ish vein, I'll mention TJ Oshie, who is someone that's been pretty cold recently. Like, he actually did score in that game against Montreal, but, like, who didn't? But before that, he only had two points in, like, nine games. Uh, But, yeah, if he was dropped in your league because, you know, Washington just played on busy games this week and Oshie wasn't doing much, definitely he's someone you want to grab going into next week because even though he's cold, he's still on that top power play with Ovi. And, you know, with a good schedule, there's no way I'd be leaving him in free agency if I I saw him in any of my leagues. Let's do a hot goalie, Brian. I guess we haven't done too much goalie talk since those injuries at the top. We have to talk about Mike Smith. We do this all the time. I mean, what is there to say, right? Mike Smith is on a hot streak. I'm going to be like, Brian, how is this happening? And you're going to be like, well, we see this sometimes. Mike Smith goes hot, but then all of a sudden he's going to like blow you up. So he's kind of a risk. But right now he is like, just like dialed in. I'll just give you the official numbers here in his last five games. Oh, you don't even want me to. Well, there's so many episodes in our back catalog that you could go listen to now for like this exact exchange. Like, go for it. Let's play it out. All right. Let me just play it out here. Two straight shutouts against Vegas and Nashville in his last two games. Before that, he had two goals against LA, one goal against San Jose, and one goal against Anaheim. So basically, his last five games have all been like either shutouts or like 940 plus save percentage games. So this guy is just as hot as hot can be. And like, it would be crazy at this point probably to not roster him, but he's Mike Smith. So I don't know. (laughs) They're playing Dallas, Colorado, and and Columbus next week. So the real test will be let's see how he does against Colorado. If he could have a good game there, then I'll be like very impressed. That would be, yeah. And I still wouldn't even change my mind. He's now he's now 40 years old. I've mentioned before that Jason Gregor called me out on Twitter for calling him a 40-year-old goalie when he was 39 years and like 235 days old. But now I can officially say Mike Smith is a 40-year-old goalie who has incredibly stopped 162 of the last 166 shots that he's faced. Uh, incredible. Way to go, Mike Smith. Uh, it's a fantastic run, and it's gone on over five games. So I, I'm not going to discount it. And this has been the this is the Mike Smith story, though, right? He'll win you weeks. He'll show up uh, in crunch time sometimes, and other times he'll go completely absent. Uh, but this is sort of like it's funny because this is what Edmonton needs to succeed in the playoffs, right? They're going to need big goaltending. But just because Mike Smith is doing this now, 
to me, does not offer any assurances that Mike Smith is going to be doing it later. It is nice to see him turn around his season. Like, this is definitely the steadiest, most consistently high level of play we've seen from him this season. So way to go, Mike Smith. And I will be curious, like, I'm going to keep an open mind, as I always do, to see just how long he can keep this up for. Okay, a couple cold streaks now, Brian. Let's go to Tampa. So when I saw that I had clinched a bye in the cupful with still a couple weeks left in the regular season, I was looking ahead to, you know, who had a good schedule in the playoffs. And I saw that Tampa played Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday for the semifinals. So I thought might as well go after Braden Point, right? He had been hot. He was doing really well. Going into the fantasy playoffs, he was on a run of like six straight games, getting either a goal or an assist. And then the playoffs started on April 4th. And since then... He's like on the coldest run maybe of his career. I mean, he's had only one assist in the seven games that he gave. Thankfully, the rest of my team stepped up because Braden Point, I was so excited, Brian, today to drop him before like my final day of the season to get Freddie Goudreau because I didn't want like uh, Braden Point to have the opportunity to drink from the Cupful Cup because he didn't deserve it. So I had to wave him right before that last day, even though I didn't need to. He's been terrible. What's going on? And, and, and to make it like just to really insult me, like Tampa scored seven goals against Winnipeg yesterday. How could he not get in on any of it? I guess he was plus three. So he was on the ice. He just specifically was like, I've been told that I'm not supposed to help Elon out at all. So I'm going to have to just let Kucherov take care of things even while I'm on the ice. So anyways, for people who are still moving forward, should they be worried about Braden Point? Or is this just some random like aberration, like just for my fantasy playoffs? And now that my season's over, he'll go back to being the Braden Point that he was for the previous parts of the season. Yeah, I think it says something that Braden Point is still on a 74-point pace, even with this cold streak. Uh, you know, even you said this is the coldest we've ever seen him maybe in his career, which is to say Braden Point is still a really good player. And yeah, this was just a bad time for Braden Point to go cold. His numbers this year are actually like really good. And like, I know that <laughs> that's not helpful to you right now. And you're kind of mad at the guy and we're really happy to drop him. But he is seeing more ice time than he ever has before. Uh, and he's shooting more than he ever has before, I think in part because of that ice time. And honestly, everything he's done is very consistent with the last few seasons where he's bounced between a 70 and 95 point player, but we had already written off him repeating that 95 point season. We thought he was somewhere, you know, around maybe a 75, 80 point guy, which he has turned out to be. Um, But lately, I think what's really hurting Braden Point is that he's just not getting in on goals while he's on the ice. Like you mentioned that game where Tampa scored, what would you say? Was it eight goals against Winnipeg? Seven, seven goals. Seven goals. Braden Point was on the ice for five of them. And his career IPP, his points participation rates, would suggest Braden Point is going to get in on uh, at least three of those, probably four of those five goals. And he didn't. He didn't get a point on any of them. And honestly, the track record over the last several games is very similar. Goals are being scored. While Braden Point is on the ice, he's just not in on the play, which I think is just noise, right? I think this is not something that's sustainably going poorly for Braden Point. I think this is just a low run of points participation. I think it'll come back. And if you can catch anyone panicking in a dynasty league, catch them now. Because Braden Point is still going to be at least a 70-point player going forward, and I think still has the potential to be a point-per-game guy, especially going back to what I said to start this, because he's been given more responsibility this year than he has uh, any other year except his sophomore season uh, in terms of the ice time he's seeing. So uh, and shoot And shooting more, setting career highs for shots per game. So... 
These are he's still only 26 years old. He just turned 26. So there's lots of reasons to still be into Braden Point and to be trying to go by low on him in a keeper dynasty format. Yeah, for sure. I know for sure that there's a patron, Kyle, who was very upset about Braden Point and telling us all about it yesterday on our Discord in our Dynasty chat. So anyone in his league now would probably be good before Kyle listens to this episode. Go and uh, try to make a trade with him. Uh, Okay, Brian, to end the show, I've got four players for you who have like started doing like joining the league. Okay, they've like just come up. And I want to get your thoughts on if these are people that we should have any interest in for this final two weeks. And they're people that most of whom I don't know very much about at all. So, and probably you don't either, but you can give me your quick, like, who is this person? So in Colorado, they signed this guy out of college named Ben Mayers, who I saw a lot of, like, lists and tweets. Hang and on. He's, like, the top. Wait, sorry, but, Elon, they but, signed this guy. Are you sure it's Ben Mayers? I don't know. You tell that, me. That sounds unlikely. I would definitely read that as Myers. Okay, let's call him Ben Myers. And see, well, we're learning, Brian. We're learning together about this new player in the league. Apparently, according to the tweets I read, he was like the top college player. He was like a really sought after guy. I don't know why he wasn't drafted. It's probably a whole interesting story behind that. Anyways, he went to Colorado because, of course, Colorado is a team that needs like even more firepower. And he's played one game so far and he scored a goal. Against Carolina, he only played like nine minutes and 30 seconds, and that's all he needed to get a goal. And who knows if his deployment will increase? Because again, everything I'm reading is that this guy is like really good. So, Brian, you know, going into uh, fantasy finals, he's one person. How about I'll just name all four of them, and then you could just give me your thoughts overall. So, the next guy I want to mention is someone who the San Jose Sharks have signed recently. His name is Thomas Bordelo, and he also has just started his time. He's 20 years old, and in one game with the San Jose Sharks, he had an assist today against Minnesota. So, look at that. He played... 13 minutes so again it's low ice time but how much can you read into the ice time of a player's like first game in the nhl it can only go up from here right so he's the next guy then we'll go to buffalo here's a player i had definitely heard of he is the first overall pick from last season owen power like I said earlier, Buffalo doesn't have the great schedule next week, so maybe you're not jumping on Owen Power, but obviously excited to see him get some games. And so far in the four games he's played, he only has one assist, though he's been playing big minutes, like 22 plus minutes, but obviously as a defenseman, not getting power play time, you know, hard to get too excited about him. And then there's a bunch of guys in Philly, Bobby Brink, Zamula, Atard, someone named Noah Cates, who's had a goal in assist today. I don't know how that happened, but they have just a bunch of young players. You can just tell me if there's any of them that you're interested in for the rest of the season. But yeah, now's the time of the year where these teams that are out of it, well, I don't know, Ben Myers, like he's not, out, like Colorado's not out of it. I don't think they're allowed to play him in the playoffs. I think that's the rule, but wh- regardless, whatever. Teams that ha- are, you know, like showcasing some players or doing whatever they want with these new players, uh, do we have any interest in them for the fantasy finals? Ben Myers, Tomas Bordalo, Owen Power, or a random Philly person, because they have all new players, apparently. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure how I want to go about it. I think I'm just going to give the disclaimer right off the top that, uh, like, generally, we like to see a little bit more from players, but uh, we also... Like there's there's only a couple weeks left and we've seen guys like Ryan Paling actually comes to mind as a guy who did come in at the end of a season once for Montreal and looked really impressive for a few games and hasn't come back up to that level. But if you added him, you're really happy that you added him. So we're not going to write off any of these guys, period, just because they're young and new. There's so few games left in the NHL season. Uh, there's enough time for them to make an impact and it's worth looking at them all, starting with Ben Myers, 
I just needed to like double check his name, who's like an undersized uh, left winger out of the University of Minnesota. He's actually like from Minnesota, played for a Fargo team in the U.S. Hockey League and then the University of Minnesota and has now jumped ship and joined Colorado. Uh, He played like just 10 minutes in the first game. He got a a goal on two shots. So that's great. But Colorado is a is a tough place to be a depth producer. Um, Like look at who he's playing with. And that's all I need to see. Like he's playing with Logan O'Connor and Andrew Cogliano. Logan O'Connor is a name that I've been interested in or was interested in a lot early on in the season because he kept finding himself sort of slotting in on the top line for injured players and at least on a high-powered Colorado team. I thought maybe he'd be able to pick up some points just by association, but he didn't. Uh, And so I sort of see Ben Myers going the same way. Ben Myers undrafted. uh, Elon, yeah, I don't know why. I think he just played college, but I'm not sure how that relates to his draft status. He's already 23. Uh, The next guy you Here, i'll tell about. you one good thing about ben myers one final okay. thing yeah is shane in the chat and shane by the way congratulations to him his team just beat my team in my dynasty league uh, after i won the first year and maddie and i didn't lose a matchup all season until the finals until we lost to shane and adam so clearly shane is amazing at dynasty he knows what he's talking about and he just wrote ben myers is good dynasty for sure worth an ad so for any of you in your deep dynasty leagues shane the league of extraordinary gentlemen champion says he's really good okay uh all right on to thomas bartolo whose father sebastian bartolo used to play for montreal he actually started with with uh, the whole olympique just down the road from us uh over in what's now gatineau and the qmjhl uh sebastian his father was kind of a journeyman thomas bartolo uh, has I don't know what looks like the same makeup in terms of a prospect had a was pretty productive this year with the University of Michigan, uh, 37 points in 37 games. But productivity in college doesn't always translate to productivity in the NHL. Uh, played a few games with the Barracuda of the AHL, three points in two games there, came up to the NHL a point in his first NHL game. So this is a guy who has produced everywhere he's been, uh, former second round pick, 38th overall of San Jose back in 2020. So look, he's still young. He's 20 years old. There's somewhere for him to go. And San Jose is definitely auditioning players for next year. So he is someone who, like, I don't know, has some, has at least more of a recent goal scoring reputation just looking at the at his recent career numbers than Ben Myers. Um, but he's and he's playing with Noah Gregor and Rudolph's Balsers, unlike the all prospects who may never actually develop line in San Jose right now. So uh so yeah, there you go. There's the Thomas Bordolo rundown. Uh and then you asked about who Owen Power. We covered Owen Power on a recent show, basically saying that Owen Power is a defenseman in Buffalo and we already know the defenseman in Buffalo that we count on to produce and that's Erasmus Dahlin. I don't expect big production out of Owen Power though uh, it sure is nice that he is being trusted early on with big minutes like they're really giving him his reps. He started with 19 minutes and 50 seconds in his uh, career debut since then has played 23 minutes, 23 minutes and 22 minutes including a pretty sizable penalty kill role uh, unfortunately, with all that ice time, Power is not putting up any kind of peripherals, even on the penalty kill. So you're not seeing hits or blocks or shots come in any way that would make him rosterable. But I guess in leagues, if you're like average time on ice is counted, then maybe Owen Power can help you there. 
And uh, yeah, I don't think we can definitely, I don't think we can expect him to be this offensive Owen powerhouse coming up, seeing as he's behind Rasmus Dahlin on the depth chart. So keep that in mind. And then you're asking me about all these Philly guys, Elon, and then I'm just looking at the Flyers lines, and I think that's all anybody should do. Um, Noah Cates playing with Travis Konechny and Kevin Hayes, which is probably the most attractive place to be in the lineup. Uh, So he might be the guy that I take a look at. He's 23 years old, a fifth round draft pick, and he's uh, he's already gotten 10 games in, three points in his last two games. He's not shooting. He's not seeing a ton of minutes. But out of these guys, uh, like Bobby Brink, and who else is there getting a look? You mentioned Igor Zamula and Ronnie Attard. I feel like Noah Cates is the one I might take a shot on. Uh, But I'd probably... Like, I'm trying to decide if I'd rather Owen Tippett, who had five shots in his last game and is playing on a line right now with James Van Riemsdyk and Scott Lawton. Look, I I actually think this is pretty similar to our advice for Philly all season long, which is that you don't know what you're going to get. Maybe it'll work out, but more likely than not, it won't. So it's great that these guys are getting auditions this late in the season. I'll throw out Noah Cates as the guy to add, but without knowing very much about him or his career at all, uh, that that's where I'm at. I would be interested to hear uh, what more from Dynasty goers. Like we have a, a podcast that we always promote, Fantasy Hockey Life, over at Go to Dauber Prospects, Elite Prospects, Hockey DB. Like this is where I do my research, and I encourage you to go there and do yours to find out more about these guys or tweet at us if you know something about them that we don't. Yeah, I think that it'll be really fun to get a Philly beat writer for our summer beat writer series to ask about all these young players as Philly clearly needs to go through a rebuild and clearly they've decided that's the case because they didn't re-sign, uh, you know, Claude Giroux for another long-term contract like San Jose did with Tomas Hurdle. And I think Philly knows that they need to like sort of start from the ground up and it looks like they have a lot of prospects, it's just a matter of if they're good or not. I have Zamula and Atard in my dynasty league, so it would, it would be nice if at least one of them could be something one day. Okay, Brian, this has been so fun going through everything look at look at you like look at us you know the season's over and we're still like just going to talk fantasy because we're obsessed with it that's why we've been doing this podcast for the past nine years or so but unfortunately this episode has come to an end thank you so much everyone for listening before you like click unsubscribe and then you know disregard everything we're doing for the next few months a plea okay like we have a lot going on still we're gonna like i said start a beat writer series soon and we're gonna start trying to churn out episodes talking to someone who knows what they're talking about about each team and give you an interview with like a fantasy slant you know there's lots of podcasts and like shows whatever talking about you know oh how's florida going to be next year are they going to be as good blah blah blah. but we're going to be talking about the specific players we're going to ask about you know who is going to you know continue the great seasons they've had who's maybe going to fall off like we try to really dig deep with these beat writer interviews so we definitely recommend you stay subscribed for that brian mentioned we're going to do a fun show where we're going to ask people to share their excuses for why they lost their leagues i definitely have some for the ones that i lost uh so that'll be fun you know follow us on twitter for any call-outs of that sort. Plus, for the patrons of Keeping Carlson, we're about ready as we're going to wrap up the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League season. We're going to st- start uh, preparing for our Keeping Carlson playoff pool, the KKPP. It's going to be the third year of this, and it is so fun. Basically, the gist is we're going to, you know, let's say 156 people sign up. We're going to break you into 12 leagues, and you're each going to do a slow draft. And each draft will be, you know, for drafting, let's say, eight players. You know, we'll, we'll hammer out all the rules. I've already written a rules doc that i've sent to brian to uh, look over 
Uh, but yeah, you're going to each have a slow draft, and that's going to be only for round one of the playoffs. And then let's say the top four in each of those leagues, we're going to reshuffle all of you. And then you're going to, in round two, draft again for players in round two. And you're going to keep redrafting till there's only two or people or maybe four people in the finals. And we'll have the ultimate Keeping Carlson playoff pool winner. So it's a ton of fun. And that's something we're going to be doing with our patrons. So if that sounds interesting to you, if you are a patron... We're going to message you soon, in the next couple of days probably. You're going to get tagged on Discord. Make sure you're paying attention to your Discord tags, and you'll see everything you need to know with a sign-up form for that. If you're not a patron, sign up for a buck, okay? We're in our summer promotion time, so go to keepingcarlson.com slash patron, and you could come play in our playoff pool and all the other fun stuff we do with the patrons. Uh, But Brian, with that, I am ready to wrap this baby up. Oh, wait. No, I'm not. Oh, no, I forgot. Brian's going to tell you about some people who have won or lost their leagues. I'm going to tell you, well, no, I'm not just going to tell you about the people. In fact, I don't know much about the people, but we are going to do our Keeping Carlson tradition that Elon loves so much, where we're going to, uh, we've, we've, it's that time of year, a lot of people losing, a lot of people winning. Elon, let's start by shouting out some of, uh, some of the teams we've lost along the way. Can you cue up that music? I'm queuing up the music, eh? All right. So this will be a bit of a longer edit, but worth it because we need to, uh, you know, pay our respects to these teams that you know made it far but in the end just couldn't couldn't do what i did and like you know d- you know and i lost two leagues by the way so i know what you're talking about we'll all i mean you know it's really hard to win a fantasy league okay so for all the winners coming up you should feel really proud and for the people who have lost you know better luck next year that's why you're listening to this podcast you're trying to get better but okay brian let's do it the music is cued okay let's do it happy father's day all right, first up, uh, the Mitt Munchers 2.0, who lost to their wife, Hockey Balboa. So early winner shout out to Hockey Balboa. Uh, and uh, th- thanks for, they thanked us for the great content and help. I wish we could have helped you more next year. Well, we could only help one person in the family win if you're in the same league. This is like a Robin Amber situation, right? Even though one of you won and one of you lost, really, you both won because you uh, live in the same household. So you take home the prize money, right? Uh, next loser, Philip Forsberg's mustache and Panarin bread, both out. Always a bummer to lose two leagues at the same time. Made it to the semis, though. Great accomplishment. See you later, new Dougie. Lost in the quarterfinals after being second in the regular season. Ouch. I mean, you had Dougie Hamilton. I, I, mean, I can see why you lost. That's why you finished second in the regular season, but then didn't do well in the playoffs. Yeah. Jeez, man. Dougie Ham- I, I had him lined up for today's show, and I just didn't want to talk about why him. Why bother? Like, he sucks. Man, I have to decide if I'm going to keep him next year in our keeper league. I don't even know if it's worth it. Ugh. All right, what are we doing here next? The Rhymnoceroses uh, lost by one point in the quarterfinals due to Peugeot's four points on Sunday. Ouch. Also, shout out to the Samurai Lincolns for never being very good at all. Uh, the Ducks. Straight up the Ducks. We're the favorites. A lot of favorites going out. I guess if you've lost at this point, you might have been a favorite, but you were upset in the semifinals. So I'm sorry to the Ducks. Have some bread. Vanek at the Disco. That's a throwback name at this point. Uh, was looking for the third win in a row. Lost in the semis. Battling for third place finish. Impressive run, but just like even the great Thomas Vanek, you got to slow down at some point, go to the Habs, and be kind of useless. And the great band Panic at the Disco, historically relevant. They came back for a little bit. Uh, what was that's the one that's year? like, why don't you never never heard of closing the goddamn door? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
that's exactly it. And pretty much on pitch two. Uh, Bergeron Burgundy finished fifth. Sorry. It's a funny name. The Phoenix Coyotes. <laughs> right right okay. next to the Ducks. Uh, one of the top teams all season, undone by gerrymandering. Very funny. <laughs> That's funny. That's cleverer than Phoenix Coyotes, for sure. Hockey Balboa, definitely the, the best name so far. And they won, so maybe that's uh, uh, another team that just lost in the finals. F Daddy Flex. <laughs> okay. Just, Too that's bad. it. You, close. Yep. Father and Son and the Boldy Ghost. First round exit. Yeah, Boldy was cold. The wrong time, I guess. Uh, another team that's out is Meet Your Makar. And uh, they noted that no one feared them. And they got last place because they spent too heavy in the auction on Kale Makar. It's unfortunate. Hey, uh, Br- Brian, I'm getting a phone call right now. I'm just going to put it. Joel, hey, uh, my brother's on the phone. How's it going, oh Joel? God. Good. I'm just like recording the podcast still. We're just about done. But congratulations on your okay, win. You just told me to leave in 45 minutes. I thought I'd be done, but then Brian said I had to do this whole thing of like naming every single person who's won and lost. And now I thought I was running, I I was running late. I felt bad. Okay, so are you at the bar? We got we got to celebrate. Left, I just left mom. I just left mom. All right, so I'll see you as soon as Brian lets me, and we'll go celebrate our couple wins. Okay, is he coming too still? Yeah, Brian's gonna come, but he's got an even longer way to go. And I don't know, Brian's probably gonna want to still name more teams after I'm gone. But uh, we'll, I'll try. We'll try our best to get there soon. Okay, how long did you wait? Oh my god, I don't know. Hopefully not like that long. two minutes if you don't okay. complain about it. Two minutes. Brian says two minutes. Okay. Okay, see you soon. Bye. Bye. Alright, where were we here? Probert's okay. plugs. <laughs> now, the, now the pressure's on. Uh, okay. Uh, Probert's plugs. Fighting for the consolation prize in two leagues. Quote, I suck. I don't okay. know what you're laughing at now. Let's change you... the music to the winning music. Way to go! <laughs> Here, these are the teams that won. Oh my god, you just this could be so much better. Team I... Mr. Svechnikov is in the last day of the championship finals. Oh yeah. Up eight to four currently. You know, but... I actually like I don't even think we should mention this team because they haven't won yet. Hit us up again next week. Like a lot of teams told us they were leading. It's like, oh, that's great. I'm excited for you, but I don't, I'm not going to get involved in jinxing you. So should all. I edit out the team Mr. Svechnikov? No, that's fine. Like, this is just a message. Like, I saw everybody who mentioned, like, hey, I'm up, I'm winning, uh, but we're not going to mention you. Uh, and we're not going to mention you also if you have like a like an X an R rated name for your okay. team. We've skipped. But congratulations over a few to those of you with R rated names that won, <laughs> but that we're not reading it. Elon wishes more of you had R rated names so that this would be over for him sooner. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of teams that have almost won. We're not going to be involved. Congrats to Land Before Petey. You did it. Oh, that's Hooray! Nice. Good job. Uh, and, and then Ryan's squad <laughs> destroyed his opponent by 80 points. Holy cow. Did you see Maddie in the couple? Oh, yeah. It was uh, tier four. I think Leung B. He was against Brian M. And he was like up like 200 to 80 on Thursday. It was like the, the craziest demo. And this is the finals. It's not against some team that's like not paying attention. This is against a finalist. I've never seen anything like it. That was a crazy win. Congrats, Maddie. And uh, name. I forget what it is. Our, our final winner of today is straight into Belmont. Uh, congrats to you for winning your league. We hope all of you are winning your leagues. And 
Uh, please torture Elon by sending us your team names. If you've won or lost, look at our Twitter. I made a post. Reply to that post with your team name and result. If you'd like us to argue about whether or not we should say your name at the end of the next episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, this has been so much fun. Thanks again. I think I already said everything before, right? You did. Like, uh, oh, great. Well, thanks again. Go back and see- hear what I said before if you're still not convinced about becoming a patron because it's a lot of fun. Uh, go buy some HelloFresh boxes and Brian, why don't you uh, read the credits? We'll get out of here. Go to the All bar. Celebrate. Right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dabra Hockey and powered by our patrons, including our super supporters, which we had an echo effect on that. Tyler, Flash, Andrea, Tom, Kevin, Derek, David, Rob, and Patty. Thank you all so much. Thanks to all our team of Cupful coordinators, including our chief Cupful coordinator, Kevin Bear. Thanks to Bupful champion, Shams Benamore, and you, Elon, Cupful ultimate champion, a pair of champions, sharing with you all the news they use to win their leagues. They're incredibly competitive leagues. GameDayTweets.com to find the links to all those Twitter accounts you need to follow. Uh, shout out to uh, Dave at the NHL Stream Scheme, who's still releasing content, put out an episode today. And um, thanks, as always, to Ben and Lewis for another successful season of Short Shifts. You can follow them through the offseason, where they'll still be active on Twitter at Short Shifts KK. Logo art by Tier 1 competitor BrandonWeeb.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Tools, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, the Athletic, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, NBC Sports Edge, and Yahoo. Yeah, since you're giving everyone else like a little intro before you say their name, Pat Roach is the person who's currently watching my dog, Cody, while I'm in Ottawa. So another thing about Pat Roach. But okay, great job, Brian. So fun recording this episode with you. I'll see you in a few minutes. And everyone else listening, oh, maybe we'll throw out another show midweek. If uh, Ben or Lewis get the itch and want to throw a, do a short show with me, but if not, for sure we'll be back for another fun episode next weekend to wrap up the whole season. Thanks for listening, and Brian, what should people do while they wait for the next Keeping Carlson show to drop? Keep doing what you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone.